41, starting at verse 8. Gave, that gave me a little bit of, y'all didn't move that clock back. That gave me a little heart attack. I'm like, that, there's no way. It says, but thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear not, for I am with thee. Thank God for the word. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will Uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Really, I feel like, I know some of you wish I would, but I'm not going to, but I feel like I could just stop and we could just leave and that would be good. Like that passage is just such a piece, such a powerful word in scripture. Of course, I'm not going to let you go that early, but <laughs> this afternoon, the title is Gripped by the Greatness of God. Lord, we love you, and we just pray that something we offered you today moved your heart, something touched the throne of heaven as we pursued you, as we, Lord, raised our voice and lifted our hands and shed tears and jumped and just sang songs unto you and played instruments to you. We pray that it was not just another day in a church service where we went through the motions. We pray that you received the praises of your people this afternoon. And God, Lord, let your word speak to us about how truly great and incredible you are this afternoon before we head off. Lord God, we want to take these things that we see and hear and hide them in our hearts. In your name, amen. God's prophet Isaiah is apparently writing to people who are exiled in Babylonian captivity. They most likely would have been feeling, I mean, you just have to think through this. Don't just read the story, but go, okay, if I was exiled in captivity and taken out of my homeland, they tried to change my name, my clothing, my food, everything about anything that I knew in my life, I would probably feel alone, confused, hopeless, depressed. You see, in spite of all God's warnings to change, they continued to make choices against God's commands and principles. The culmination of these choices led them once again back into bondage as a nation. I just wonder how many today could relate, though. They made choices they knew they should not have made. I don't know about you, but have you ever made a choice that you knew you should not have made? And a lot of times people, sin is missing the mark. Not, not often. A lot of times it's sin is, I'm just going to disregard the principle for a moment and try and figure things out later. It's a lot of times what humanity does. It's not like we just, I, I, I threw it and I was just a little low. You know, if you ever throw darts? Anybody really good at darts? Who's really good at darts? Raise your hand. Come on. There's two people in the whole audience that are good at darts. <laughs> well, I guess that's probably good. Maybe you guys aren't spending a lot of time in the bars. That's probably a good thing. But, <laughs> but darts, right? It's not like you just said, I'm aiming for the bullseye, and I went a little high and hit the 20. Like people sometimes say, like, that's, that's sin. No, no, sometimes it's just, I didn't even care. 
That's humanity sometimes. And so they made choices they knew they shouldn't have made. They let themselves fall to a place where they were serving something or someone other than God. They knew the reasons they were in their present state. They didn't deserve anything from God except punishment. Maybe they even wondered if God still knew where they were or if he was with them. But when you begin to read Isaiah, specifically chapters 40 to 44, you see two important things. Number one, the grace of God. And number two, the greatness of God. Two things that I really love. The grace of God and the greatness of God. Because if it was not for the grace of God and the greatness of God... I don't even think we're gathering today. I don't think that we're worshiping. I don't think we're feeling the presence of God. We certainly aren't successful. There's no hope for eternity. Our past is still calling and we have to respond instead of ignore it. I think we are all thankful for the grace of God and the greatness of God. But sometimes when we're in the middle of something, we can forget or maybe, we've, maybe we think God forgot us. I don't know, you know, common, common sense will say, well, no, that's not the case. But our emotions, are, they're, they're volatile and they lie to us at times. And so we'll sit here and say, no, he probably forgot about me. He doesn't know what I'm going through. He, 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 maybe I've fallen too far. And maybe, maybe, maybe though we just have forgotten how, how great God actually is. You see, God has given his promises to us, and he's invited us into this covenant relationship. He made promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and then more promises to King David, a man after his own heart, and he intended to keep these promises. So in spite of foolishness and years of sinful choices, God begins to remind his people of some things. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says, the grass withereth. The flower fadeth, but the word of, the, of God shall stand forever. Why are you looking at me, Emily? If you are a guest here today, she spoke last week and said, why are you looking at me, Pastor? And I was like, am I supposed to be looking at my phone while you're speaking? I was, and so the spirit of the Lord just inspired me, or maybe my own spirit. How do you transition out of that, right? Isaiah 48 says, 40 and 8 says, the grass withereth, the, the, the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord, word of God, in spite of those things that wither, God's word stands forever and ever and ever. Guess what that means? We can read the word that was written toward Isaiah, and Isaiah gave toward people in exile, and, and God spoke, you're my people, and here's the thing, but since his word stands forever, we can take a principle in 2022 that he spoke to someone in BC and say, hang on, God spoke it to his people then, and I can still cling to that right here, right now. Because that word does not ever fade, it does not die, it does not wither away. 
And so when everything else around you seems unstable, you know what you need to do? Don't turn to Facebook. Don't turn to the best friend and say, hey, I'm looking for advice. Don't start saying, I'm down today, so I'm going to channel surf and look at foolishness that is contrary to God's word anyway. Get yourself into the word of God and say, I'm going to do like David did. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. And there's times when... You know, there's times where Paul talks about us, he, him spoon feeding and you're on milk and you're, you're not ready for meat and all this. And there's times that, you know what, you got to come and someone else is going to give you that word. But many of you are beyond the spoon fed milk bottle feeding. You are at the point where it's not just the person in the pulpit that feeds you, but you grab the word for yourself in the middle of your discouragement, in the middle of your frustration, in the middle of your fear, and you open it up and say, God. God, I am not even feeling like reading this, but I'm down and I'm feeling anxiety and I'm feeling fatigue spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. And I want to see what you have to say to me today. And you might say, well, he wasn't even talking to me. He's talking to David. He was talking to Samuel. He was talking to Noah. He was talking to... No, his word stands forever. And so when I open up the word, I can see what he said to Noah. And I can see, you know what? Even though you're living in a sinful time, he found grace in, in, in the eyes of the Lord. And, and even though that you were struggling and people were chucking the javelins at your head, you still had a relationship with God, David. You found a way to worship. And so I can start to read through and I can read scriptures like Isaiah where it says, you know what? The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, the word of the Lord stands forever. I can go back to our text and I can read, fear not, I'm with thee, be not dismayed for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, I will uphold thee with the right hand of of my righteousness. And I can step back in 2022, about to be 2023, and go, I can still keep going because God spoke a word. His word stands. And as you read Isaiah 40, the prophet begins to use words to paint an amazing picture of really how awesome God is. And I, and I want to read some of this, so follow along and maybe even write this reference down, write this passage down, because it was written to Israelite people in Babylonian exile. And Galatians tells us the New Testament church, us here today, we are heirs of the promises of Abraham. And so, therefore, there are certain Old Testament promises that, again, I can go, these apply to me. Right. Isaiah 40, verse 9, he says, O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout if louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. Just so you know, this is a prophetic word about an upcoming Messiah. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. You get that picture? He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Imagine being in exile in a foreign land. Got to understand the context. Knowing that your decisions got you here. Feeling like there's not much hope. And then all of a sudden a prophet comes along and goes, just hold on a second here. God's coming in his power. He's going to feed the flock like a shepherd. He's going to hold you close to his heart. He's leading the mother uh, uh, sheep with their young. And you sitting there going, 
Maybe he didn't forget about me. And then he goes out and he says, and, and who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? I mean, can you think through this? We look at the mountains and we're just like, whoa. And then we try to climb one or hike one up. And we're like, man, I've probably been hiking for a couple hours. And you look back and it's like as high from the platform. And you're like, man, I didn't. Ah, and here Isaiah, the prophet's going, imagine God, he just took that whole mountain and just put it on a scale and, and, and the, the vastness, the greatness of God. He says, who's able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? I've known a few people, right? Maybe I've been one of them a time or two. Who can advise the spirit of the Lord? Well, we try to often. God, this is going on, so if you could just step in, work this out by next Friday by 2 o'clock, I think this, I'm going to apply for this, I'm going to go for this, and my plans are for the rest of the week to go this way, so if you could help me out, and we feel good because we ask God to bless our plans for the week. What if his plan's different? Has the Lord needed anyone's advice? This puts us in his place, him in his place, but yet not in a crushing blow. It's very encouraging. Has he ever needed your advice? Does he need instruction about what's good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of judge, justice? So you got to understand, because this is awesome. Because at the time when this was written in the ancient Near East, according to their legends, the pagan gods, they consulted one another uh, for wisdom. And, and God contrasts that, and he says, you know what, at a time where everyone in this society thinks that gods have to like contrast and share wisdom with one another, let me just make something clear. I don't need to talk to anybody. I don't need to consult with you. I don't need to consult with any pagan gods. I am the source of wisdom. Back then, they would, in that ancient Near East, they would, they would worship each star. They would worship the sun. They would worship the Nile. They would wor God, and God doesn't have to go in, in, into all these writings and try to say, well, I am not that God of Babylonian culture, the Akkadian culture. I'm not that God. I'm not that. I'm better than that. He doesn't even need to mention that. He just starts off his story and says, in the beginning, I created everything. That's it. I made the heaven and earth. The stuff that we fly through and say, and then he separated the day and night and firmament, and he, and he created the stars, and he created the sun and the moon. He didn't, he, the stars that the pagan cultures would worship these stars, it's almost like an afterthought. If you read it, it's at the end of the verse. He says, I created this, 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 and then I made the stars. Boom, moving on. Because the stars, the celestial being of all these, it was just, for him, it was just, yeah, I spoke that. I spoke it into existence. Those aren't pagan, those are not, those are not gods in themselves that that we worship, I am the one. So really there's no argument there between gods when they're arguing, well, what about the sun God? And what about the Nile God? And what about the God of the stars? What about the God of fertility? God just simply comes on the scene and says, I spoke all of them into existence. We serve a great, great God. And so you go down to verse 18. To whom can you compare to God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver change? This is what people were doing when he wrote this. When he spoke this to the people, this is the land in which they were living. 
So here they are feeling hopeless, out of their culture, overtaken by somebody else, and he shows up and says, don't forget who the great one here is. Yeah, but we're here, and we're in this, we're in, in, in this exile, and, and they're worshiping those false gods. And he goes, hang on a second. So who's greater than I? Do you really think it's a statue that's overlaid with gold and has chains around its neck? Or if people are too poor that they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down, I... Don't tell me that God doesn't have a tinge of sarcasm. If we're created in his likeness, be careful. Don't be too sarcastic. But a little tinge of it, I think, is a little entertaining at times. I know you could never imagine me being sarcastic. But... I kind of laugh because I look at the season. Oh, well, wait a second. Maybe if the overlayment with gold, if that's not going to work, maybe they can gild at least if they're too poor for that. Maybe they can choose wood. And if you make the wood strong enough, at least it won't fall down. Because in history, there was known a time or two where a God actually, Dagon and the Philistines, actually fell down on his face. And God's trying to just, maybe they won't fall down then. Because that's pretty embarrassing if you have a God that you're bowing to and worship and you come to pray to him in the next morning and he's shattered because he fell off the pedestal and broke on the floor. And so God is going to revisit this challenge to false pagan man-made gods. And, and, and you know, listen to me when I say, part of the reason we get ourselves into a place of addiction heartache, bondage, sin, hopelessness, anxiety, perversion, depression, is because at some point we started turning to people and things rather than God. We started saying, I need this substance to get me through my day because I just don't feel like God can do it. I'm going to turn to this vice in the middle of being bored or lonely, angry, stressed, or tired because you know what? I have stopped getting in the word and reading and I've stopped talking to him. So instead, I'm going to turn to go to this vice. Instead, I'm going to look for a relationship because I don't feel fulfilled enough in my walk with God. And so we start to turn to things somewhere along the line to people or to things rather than to God. But God's not here to bash someone over the head. He is here to do just what he did to Israel and and extend a hand of grace, and he's here going, hold it. Yeah, but we got ourselves here. Yes, I know I should not have done that. If we would have just lived life differently, I wouldn't be dealing with this today. And he does not say, you're right, forget you, I'm moving on. He says, yeah, 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 yep, yep, absolutely, that is all right. But if you will repent, if you will turn, if you will remember, I am great, I am greatly to be praised, I have all things in my hand, I can turn this around. Verse 25, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up in the heavens, who created, there it is. I'm worshiping the stars. Who created all the stars? 
He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because the great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. You want to talk about the greatness of God. God creating the stars would have been an awe-inspiring event in ancient Israel, where 5,000 stars would have been visible at night. You didn't have, okay? Elon Musk did not have the Tesla yet, okay? We, had, we didn't have gas vehicles, all right? It would have been, there was no, there was no pollution. There was no smog, okay? Imagine looking up in the Middle Eastern sky back then and just seeing thousands of stars. Astronomers now estimate that there are more than 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy and 125 billion galaxies in the universe. I don't know about you, I'm 42, my memory I think is still pretty strong, but ain't no way I'm remembering 400 billion, half the time I call Titus Jude and Jude Titus, okay? <laughs> I certainly am not going to go, oh yeah, and, and, and I mean like, talk about putting your kids to sleep at night, let's go through the names of the stars, and for 300, 3,123,000. Million, trillion, billion, whatever. You can tell what's in my bank account. It ain't that high. The total number of stars is estimated, get this, at 10 billion trillions. And he says, I created all of them. And I know the names of every one of them. We serve a great, big, awesome God. So when you get to thinking, yeah, but there's no way there's like six million people and there's billions of people in the world and they all have issues and God's never going to be able to deal with my problem. He's dealing with somebody in Alaska. He's dealing with somebody in Indiana. He's dealing with somebody overseas. He's Just think back and go, hang on. If he has... 10 billion trillion stars, and he knows them all by name, I think he probably can handle my situation. I think that if he can keep track of the hairs of the heads and the sparrows and all the stars and known by name, there's not anything that's going to go on in my life. That he's going to go, I'm for, I forgot, I'm sorry, I got mixed up, I got busy, uh, I had to work overtime, I didn't make it to your situation fast enough, I handed it off to someone else because it was overwhelming to me. No. We serve a great big God and sometimes in the middle of our situation, we forget that. And he says in verse 27, Jacob, oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? I'm glad the word of the Lord stands forever because I can insert your name there for Jacob. Go ahead right now. Read it out loud. Insert your name. Oh, Gary, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Go ahead. Read it. Put, verbalize it. Go ahead. Put your name in there. Oh, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? 
Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Obviously, something for him to write this, guess what? If he needed to address this, someone said it. Someone felt it. So even though you think that you're going through your first set of circumstances and problems in human history, even though no one has struggled like you have struggled, nobody's been hurt like you've been hurt. I know that sounds cynical. Maybe it is a little bit. But someone somewhere before you has gone through this and has felt this and has prayed these prayers and has Jesus himself, oh, Lord, my God, why have you forsaken me? Interesting. You know, you look at Jesus' life, the first two times he talks to Jesus. Oh, he, 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 he calls on Jesus, and a voice from heaven speaks. He, Jesus calls on God, and the voice of heaven speaks. Second time, he calls, a voice from heaven speaks. All of a sudden, he gets to the cross, and that humanity is hung on the cross, and he, no, you, there's not that voice from heaven. And what does he say? My Lord, have you forsaken me? Because a lot of times we want God's voice to speak. And when it doesn't speak immediately, we don't hear that voice from heaven, we feel forsaken. Even Christ in his humanity shows us this example. But God is always there. He always has a word. He always has, even if it's not a spoken word at that moment, the moment you think you need it, he's with you. He has a plan. He's going to work it out. And here we read, Jacob, you think your rights are stolen. What's going on? Why? Because someone felt, how could you let this happen? How did I go into exile? How did you forsake me? How did you, why? What just happened here? And he steps in and goes, how are you going to say the Lord doesn't see your troubles? How are you going to say Have you never heard? Have you never understood the Lord is everlasting? God, the creator of all the earth, he never grows weak or weary. No measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. And young men will fall into exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. After after making years of choices to trust other things, God reaches to his people and he says, if you will just trust me, you will find new strength and you will be ready for the long haul. So even in his indictment of his people's choices, he constantly offers grace and he reminds them of his greatness. Grace and greatness. Grace and greatness. And today I'm just like thinking, you know what, God, who's here? Who's watching online that just needs to be reminded this afternoon of his grace and his greatness? Because you might be here going, I've done this, I've done that, I've fallen, i made these choices, I don't deserve him. You're right, I'm not going to argue. You do not, absolutely do not deserve the grace of God, but that's the beauty of grace. It's unmerited favor. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I could live for God the rest of my life, preach messages every single day, morning, noon, and night, from here till when I die, and I still will not be able to say, I've earned your grace, God. 
There's nothing I can do, but he extends grace. He extends that mercy. And why does he do that? How is he capable of doing it? Because he's great. Because he took on flesh. He defeated death, sin, hell, the grave. He overcame it all. So nothing is stronger than him. That makes him numero uno. That makes him number one, powerful. No one, no thing can take him below where he is. He is more powerful than cancer. He's more powerful than financial hardship. He's more powerful than marital struggles. He's more powerful than depression. He's more powerful than being bipolar. He's more powerful than someone who's struggling physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually. He's more powerful than the past sin and mistakes that you've made. He's more powerful. There's nothing that you can bring him that is stronger than he is. There's no doctor that can tell you something that is hopeless unless he says it's hopeless. And again, he promises them in Isaiah 43, he says, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I've called thee by name. Yes, he knows your name. If he knows the name of billion trillion stars, he absolutely knows your name. And guess what? As many kids as he has in his kingdom, I don't think he's ever going to call you by the wrong name. I can understand when I call Jude Titus or Titus Jude, but when I start calling one of them Kiera, this really gets messed up. <laughs> then you know I'm mad. He says, when thou passest through the waters, he does not say, if you pass through the water. He does not say, if you have a bad day and you happen to go through the water, I'll be with you. He does not say, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When, he does not say, if you walk through the fire. He says, when you walk through that fire, thou shalt not be burned, not even kindled. And guess what? Thank God for some of these words, because we saw these things transpire with Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach in a fiery furnace and, and them walking through the Red Sea on dry ground and the Jordan River on dry ground. Like there's, there's, these are not hypothetical situations here. This is, let me tell you about the proven word of God because it does not wither, it does not fade. And if it worked for Moses and if it worked for Joshua and if it worked for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and if it worked for Daniel, then here you are in 2022 trying to tell me how the water's too high and the fire's too hot. But I want to take you back to the word and the word stands forever. And so when your emotions start saying, this is it, you can't make it. You might as well walk away from God. You might as well give in. It's not going to ever happen. You can say, hold it. 
I'm going to cast down the imagination. I'm going to walk back to the word and I'm going to open it up because it doesn't wither. It doesn't fade. And if it worked for Daniel, it's going to work for me. If it worked for David, it's going to work for me. If it worked for Noah, it's going to work for me. If it worked for Moses, it's going to work for me. If it worked for Esther, it's going to work for me. If it worked for Paul and Silas, it's going to work for me. If it worked for Peter, it's going to work for me. If it worked for Paul, it's going to work for me. If it worked for Habakkuk, it's going to work for me. If it worked for Nehemiah, it's going to work for me. If it worked for Ezra, it's going to work for me. If it worked for Abel and Seth, it's going to work for me. We just start working through going, they all had situations. They all had different opportunities. They all had different struggles. They all had different fires. They all had different waters. But God took them through it. And so when you're here and you say, but I got a fire, I got a flame, I got an issue. When you start looking at it and you're saying, it's just so hot, it's so big, it's so strong, I can't handle it. That's where he says, you don't have to handle it. When you go through those things, not if, because when, you're going to go through those things. Because guess what? Was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a stronger set of believers before the flame or after? Was Daniel a stronger man of God before the lion's den or after the lion's den? Were the Israelites stronger as much as they were acting like knuckleheads at times? Were they stronger before or after the Jordan River? Because you know what? When you come to something and you go, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is impossible. This is frustrating. This is fearful. This is really getting me. You can say, hold on, God. If you did it for them you can do it for me again. If you parted the water for them, you can part the water for me. If you took them through a fire then, you can take me through a fire now. If you knocked down a giant then, you can knock down a giant now. If you rebuilt something for them then, you can rebuild something for me now. If you restored something for them, you can restore something for me now. If you can take someone and, and they leave your presence and they're clothed in your right mind, then I can leave your presence and I can be in my right mind. There's nothing that you brought in that is greater than him. Isaiah 42, 9, behold, the former things are coming to pass, and new things do I declare unto you. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. God reassures him. He says, in spite of your current situation, I didn't run out of greatness. I still have a new thing for you. Some of you have seen some, some incredible things. Raise your hand if you've ever seen God do something incredible. Like beyond the realm of what is ordinary explained. Look around, look around right now. Almost everybody. And God is here today saying, I got more up my sleeve. I still want to do a new thing. Isaiah 43, 16, thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea. Oh, there it is again. But Lord, I don't know what you want me to do. I came to a dead end. Since when did a dead end stop Jesus? Dead ends stop humanity. 
I, I got this report. There's nothing else I can do. I ran into this circumstance. There's nothing else I can do. The mountain's too high. The Jordan River's blocking me. The Red Sea's blocking me. What else do you want me to do? They're throwing me in the, the lines. They're throwing me in the fiery furnace. What else do you want me to do? There's a giant that wants to kill me. We, we, we always are going to come up against something that's a dead end. Dead ends are amazing opportunities for miracles. But we hate dead ends, but yet we love miracles. But dead ends are the opportunities for miracles. And so when you come up into a circumstance and you say, oh, I'm at a dead end, what do you want me to do? There's a sea in front of me, just remember. Thus saith the Lord, who maketh a way where there is no way. See, it doesn't matter if there's not a way forward. God doesn't need a way forward. He does not need there to be a road to get you from point A to point B. He can make a road. He can, he can speak a road into existence. I mean, goodness gracious, in the New Testament, he used Roman culture who was vile, sinful, pagan, and they went ahead and made the roads. Like, God can use whoever he wants to make whatever way he wants, and the Roman roads are actually what paved the way for the scripture and the spread of the gospel to take place. So you might think, God, I got all these wicked people around me. God just might want to use one of those wicked people to go ahead and pave the way, maybe pay for, or, or whatever it is that he's going to do to make a way for that to go forward. He says, which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse and the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They're extinct. They're quenched as tow. Israel's language here, uh, Isaiah's language, I'm sorry, evokes the picture of Israel's exodus through the Red Sea. That's what, I, that's what I hear when I'm reading about this. And God reminds them of his greatness. He, hey, you know, remember, you've already been in impossible circumstances before. Sometimes God will do that. You'll get into an impossible circumstance. You'll be in prayer, and all of a sudden you think back to a time. Anybody ever done this before? You think back to a time where God brought you through. That's not just bad pizza from the night before. That's sometimes the Spirit of God working in you. That's what we see God doing here. They're, oh, we're in the middle of exile. We're never going to get out of here. They conquered us. They took away our nation. We're never going to be a people again. Life is over as we know it. And God says, I've heard this before. You, you know, you, I made a way. You guys came to the Red Sea. I delivered you out of a hopeless situation in Egypt. I, he didn't even have to go out. And now I'm talking about Egypt here. It's pretty clear. He says, I brought you to the brink of the water. I made a way through the water. And I buried the horse and the rider in the sea. They're extinct. They'll never rise again because I did that. It's a reminder of him going, you think you're in an impossible circumstance once again. Let me remind you that you've been in impossible circumstances before and I took care of it. Why is it any different this time? And so here we are in 2022 and we want to tell God about our impossible circumstances. Go back to the word and begin to read story after story after story about all the people who dealt with impossible circumstances and just know you've got nothing on your plate that he cannot handle. And so he says, remember ye not the 
the former things, neither do they consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. I'm not just talking about Egypt or the Red Sea anymore. He's saying, ah, yeah, let's talk about that. But I'm not done. I didn't retire. I'm still in this, and I'm going to do it again. The best isn't behind. Don't get stuck in past miracles, past accomplishments, past experiences. One author says it this way. We love to idealize our past whenever our present doesn't meet our expectations. You ever talk to somebody? Oh, yeah, man, I'll forget the past. Blah, blah, and you're like, I don't remember it that way. But when the present doesn't meet expectations, we idealize the past. And God wants to do a new thing. Why? Because we serve a great God. God had to continually remind his people of, their, of his greatness. Why? Did they forget? In our minds, why is the greatness of God so often based on our present circumstance? If I said, is God great, everybody? I, I think every person would be like, yeah, Amen. How many think God's great? Amen. Clap your hands if you think God's great. Oh, yeah. Whoa, stand to your feet if you think God's great. I, I think we'd all do it. But why is the greatness of God so often based on our personal experience, our personal circumstance? And we, we, we justify it like this. I know God's great, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know God's great. But... But my circumstance is, is, is really big. Now, I know he can do it, but I'm really struggling in this, in this area. If our circumstance looks bad or bleak, somehow we can begin to question whether God's big enough, if he's aware, if he cares, if he sees, if maybe we're too far gone. Like, we start to kind of doubt. And sometimes it's doubting God, but oftentimes it's doubting whether we're worthy of God. And I'll answer that now. You're not. None of us are. Today's message is not just about the greatness of God. It's the grace of God. The grace of God. The greatness of God. The grace of God. The greatness of God. The grace of God. The greatness of God. Because the Bible says things, God is great and greatly to be praised. Let them have a breath. Praise the Lord. Our, our, our praise and worship is not based on our, our circumstance. It's based on his greatness. I am not here to say, God, you are great. Because, man, everything is perfect. But when I worship him, which should be more than Wednesdays and Sundays, when I worship him, it is God, boy, I'm having a tough time. Woo! This is tough, but you are worthy of praise. But you are great. You are awesome. You are, you are able to deliver. You see some of these stories where people would go up against these impossible circumstances and situations. They actually did not always know if they were going to make it through. They would walk in and say phrases like this. The Bible records them. You are able to do this. I'm going to step out in faith. If I die, I die. If they behead me, they behead me. If the lion eats me, the lion eats me. If the flame overtakes me, it overtakes me. But I'm not going to sit here in fear. I'm at least going to give you a chance to be great.
I know I can't do anything in my own hands at this moment. But I'm going to step out and I'm going to put all of my faith and confidence in you because if you do it, you're the only one who's going to get the glory. Remember, God's greatness does not exist just to make your life comfortable, just so your prayers can be answered, or just so that you can get what you want. His greatness exists. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show, that you should show forth his praises of him, of the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I exist so other people can see the greatness of God in my life. That through my life, people can see and experience God's greatness. And I don't know if we've changed this at all. The early church, certainly, they, they, we, they, they looked at it like, hey, I'm blessed to count myself worthy to suffer for him. I don't know if we've gotten to the point where we go, just hope, God, that I'm worthy to suffer for you. We look at suffering, it's almost like we have a little bit of a mindset of the early New Testament and the Gospels. This guy's blind. What did he do wrong? They're really struggling. Who sinned? Was it them or their mom? And Jesus is like, neither one of them. This is happening so that I can be glorified. But in our heads, we avoid suffering at all costs. They must have done something wrong. Seems like everything's going wrong for them. They must not be living for God right. No, no. No, no. God's going to take us through when you go through the fire, when you go through the water. Just remember, wherever I take you, I'm going to be with you, and you exist to bring me glory. <laughs> That's why you look at... Everything, Isaiah 43, 7, even everyone that is called by my name, I have created him for my glory. Isaiah 43, 21, the people that I have formed for myself, they shall show forth my praises. When Paul writes that to the church of Philippi, he's just reaching back to what was already established in scripture. My people, I, I created them for my glory. They should show forth my praises. This is why they existed in the Old Testament. It's why they exist in the New Testament. This is why we exist in 2022, that we were created for his glory, that we should show forth his praises. His greatness, and I'm almost done, is never based on our circumstance. Our circumstance must be formed and viewed through the lens of his greatness. You and I exist to point to his glory. Just this past Monday, we had a small group at my house, at our house in prayer, changing the way we pray. And we were transparent, talked about some different things, and we said, you know, we're going to just bombard heaven right now. We're just going to go, we're just going to take this to heaven. We're going to go, we're going to just pray right now. The power and presence of God, which is very important, Okay. They didn't have a church big enough to house them in the New Testament. So if you don't already know, you better learn how to pray in your house. Because there might not, it, freedom of religion and corporate gathering may not always be here. Better know how to pray in your house. And we had such a powerful move of God in the house on, on Monday evening. And I wanted God to speak to me about a particular situation. And God starts speaking to me. I'm like, yes, this is it. 
the pastor is going to come forward and say, God just spoke to me. Thus saith the Lord. He spoke to me, all right. Didn't say a single word about what I was actually asking him for. I said, here's what God just told me. After this mighty move of the Spirit, I said, here's what God just told me. He said, the reason that you just felt what you felt was because you glorified my power and not the problem. He did not give me any answers for the problem. He did not to speak to anybody in the group. I mean, Sister Waller was there. I was waiting for her to go, God said, boom. Nope. Sister Diana Purcell's interceding, and she's on the ground. I expected her to stand up and say, God said. I said to her, I said, I love the way she says prayer. And I wanted her to stand up and say, God just spoke to me in prayer. And give me a word. No. God spoke to me. Ooh, I was pumped. Pastor gets the word. Nothing about anything to do with what we were praying. He just said, the reason you just felt what you felt is because we exalted the power and not the problem. Still don't have the answer to the problem. But when you will put power in its proper place, because you either tell the the, the, the problem about your God or you tell God about the problem I think we're pretty good at telling God about the problem I think we could get a lot better about telling the problem about our God that I can say to the mountain be removed and go to another place I don't have to always go God go to Mount Jesus there's a mountain, God. I don't know if you've seen it or not. But it's blocking the way. And Lord, I'm a man of God. And I'm trying to move forward. But this mountain is there. And the mountain's there. And oh, Jesus. And Lord, this mountain. And sometimes I'm like, if he's just going, man, I wish they'd read my word. Gary, do you know you can speak to the mountain? Do you know I gave you authority? I said greater things than these. Will you? I actually, why is the mountain still there? Just walk up and say, mountain, be thou removed. We're spirit-filled people believing in the spiritual realm. You know what we want to talk about? Brother Josh Herring talked about that. The demonic realm, they're attacking. We're going against it. We're fighting against the demonic realm. I loved what he said. We want to say, I'm going to fight. I'm fighting right now. A spiritual warfare. Got to go a little deeper if I want to sound like him. Spiritual warfare. The demonic realm. Since when did you have to fight the demonic realm? Jesus walked into places. He never fought no demonic realm. He showed up and they're like, why are you here before your time? Let us go in the pigs. Oh. They knew their proper place. 
So if this same spirit is what he chose to fill me with, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God Almighty. Why do I need to go to battle and warfare when Jesus shows up and they just whimpered and scattered away? Why in the world can I not go, hold on here a minute. No, 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 I ain't no spiritual battle. Liberty, we're going to battle. No, I take dominion over the prince and power of the air of this city in the name of Jesus. So I stand on four powerful things. The Word of God, the blood of Calvary, the Spirit of God that fills me, and the blood of the cross. And those are four things. Like, I'm, I am, I am, guys, I can't even, I, I'm, I'm not prideful. I'm telling you, I am powerful. You know why I'm powerful? Because I got the blood of Calvary, the Word of God, His Spirit, and the Holy Ghost inside of me. And somebody needs to just stand up right now and look at somebody and go, hold on a minute. I'm powerful. I'm powerful. I am powerful. No, no, no. Oh, I know. I don't want to do that. I just want to talk to him about the mountain that's in my way. I just want to. No, 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 no. It's time to walk up and say, hold on a minute here. Why are you still in my way? Be thou removed and get thee hence. I know Satan, you're trying to come against me. No, 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 no. I got the power of God, the blood of Calvary. I got the word. I'm going to begin to quote the word. I'm going to begin to plead the blood. I'm going to be able to say the name of Jesus. I'm going to be able to speak in tongues. I, I know. Hang on a minute here. I'm powerful. And you know why you can say that? Because you serve a great God. You serve a great God. A God who said, you know what? I didn't just want to write about this for them. My word stands forever. And if I was strong back then, I'm going to be strong today. But the difference is, they had to rely on me and pray to me, and I had to come and do it. When we got to the New Testament, I looked at you and said, no, I want you to be the one that goes and does it. By the Spirit of God, you can be filled with His Spirit, and you can begin to lay hands on the sick. You can begin to cast them out into another place. You don't need to just wait and say, God, bring your hand down. He's the one that said, I put my Spirit inside of you. I want to see you do great things. I want to see you walk and heal the sick. I want to see you cleanse the leper. I want to see you raise the dead. You're going to handle deadly things that they won't hurt you. Why? All the things that I wanted to do, I gave you the authority. I gave you the dominion. And so guess what? And when I'm gripped by the greatness of God, it doesn't just grip me and say, we serve a great God, but it makes me want to be a part of great things. It helps me know who I am in Him. Oh, I invite you right now to bring the mountain to Him, but greater yet, to cast the mountain into another place. I invite you to find a place to pray today and start to think about not just how great he is but think about how great you are you serve a great God what situation do you need to speak to right now
already I feel people are already without even knowing you're just reverting on accident you're saying oh God here's what I'm going through Jesus right now this is what's going on God I got this mountain oh Lord I believe you can take care of it right now Jesus and I and I respect you for that but hear me it's not the right prayer today right now don't tell your God about your problem in a way you exalt the problem because this is the problem it's so big it's so huge I don't know what I'm gonna do today as you pray begin to say you have been dealing with me long enough I command this problem to be gone I take dominion over it why because I serve a great God a powerful God God's got this God's got this under control I will not worry about this problem I will not exalt it in the name of Jesus I cast it down in the name of Jesus right now problem you've been too big and too long in my life my God is bigger than you are right now when you begin to when you begin to say my God is bigger than you are there's something that can happen in your life because right now that thing has scared you so long and it's caused you so much stress and so much anxiety and you've gotten to the place where you've just learned to live with it instead of cast it down no no today change the prayer exalt the God of the problem over the problem itself begin to take dominion in the name of Jesus my God's bigger than you my God's bigger than you this ends here no matter what my God is stronger than you my God's more powerful than you I'm not gonna fear this problem I'm not gonna live in anxiety over this problem I take dominion right now